that grace is divine ability. It's not an excuse for not doing. But it's the power to do the things that you ordain for us to do. And we thank you for that. Thank you that grace keeps us in a pattern of obedience that cannot be um, uh We can't do better than your grace. So we thank you, Father, for that in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, 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 and amen again. Praise God. So um, we're going to talk today about the fact that trouble will come. Amen. Trouble will come. Uh, I think there are so many different ways that believers look at difficulties. Uh, but it is a Bible promise, just like all the other promises that we like. We have a promise of trouble uh, because we live in the world. The world itself is a troublesome place. Why? Because the prince of this world, Satan, runs everything. So he is a troublemaker. Amen. He is a uh, a deceiver. Uh, he gets people on a path where they think they're going to do well and they wind up just doing so bad and so there's deception in the world there's iniquity in the world there's difficulty in the world and so in order for God to um, help us he has to show us ways to overcome trouble not to avoid it all the time so uh, he God is not an avoidance God even though we may think of help as being uh, being able to avoid everything that's unpleasant, uh, we know for a fact that you won't avoid it, but your reaction to it uh, should be different than it would be had you not been able to trust God. And so the difference will be how do we respond in it and how do we react to it is what makes us different amen that's where the difference will be and you have to trust God's wisdom he knows what he's doing uh, and but he also knows the Bible says how to deliver the righteous out of temptation so it's never going to get to the point where it defeats you or overtakes you because God knows how to deliver you from it as well and so so we're going to talk about the fact that you know and how people react to it and uh, because we need to understand that uh, when we talk about the persecuted church Christians are being persecuted in this nation now I know we many of us try to stay in that little happy happy face mode you know we have so many churches instead of preaching the gospel they went to preaching the happy message now this is not new to the church This is part of church's history. When the Jesus movement started, some of you can remember that because you're old enough, uh, and some of you are old enough and you're in denial and act like you wasn't around when all this stuff was happening. But um, there was a legitimate revival or move of God that came in the late 50s. It started really in the, with the healing revival in the 40s, and that extended into the 50s. And the tail end of it was a a move of God a revival that saw a breaking down of barriers and walls that had been up part of that breakthrough came with the civil rights 
movement where people stopped fearing each other remember the uh, it was the Vietnam War was part of that time as well you would see uh, soldiers they would talk about young people some young people were part of the military because they were drafted and then others were dropout hippie types and you would see the military young person with a rifle and then the hippie stick a flower in it because flower power was what they talked about and let's make love not war and you know but drugs were and witchcraft were a big part of that um place too so in when when and then god did pour out his spirit uh on young people who were seeking truth who were seeking an end to uh what they considered to be the hypocrisy of their parents you know uh we found out parents didn't like people of minority races and all this kind of stuff and so young people just like they're doing now with this uh, green thing or um, global warming young people are up in arms they're, they've always been up in arms about something sometimes God's in it sometimes it's not but God has to come in and straighten things out because we always have to pray for truth to be revealed and, and for what's going on you know if it's a rebellion and a rebellion against God it needs to be stopped but there was legitimate power there and they were, there were churches that were born out of that Jesus movement uh, we, we saw many people there were mass baptisms out in the Pacific Ocean where people uh, were close to uh, nature so to speak and uh, some of the pioneers of, of that movement uh, built huge churches you know and some of them are flourishing now they're watered down compared to what they used to be because this is the history of the church when it's new everybody loves it and they'll fight for it but when you have to level out and be consistent when God starts uh um, training us to be faithful and starts looking for faithfulness and difficult times come that's when you see people fall away and so it's always happened that way and so what 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 has happened now uh, in in these moves of God uh, you'll see the water the message instead of being a, uh, a revelation of sin and repentance preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ movement it becomes a positive thought message Uh, and people go to church and hear how to stay positive and how to stay don't give up you know you don't know what you're working on but don't give up you know God's going to see you through it's going to turn around you're going to see that and all this kind of stuff and so and it's this isn't the first time it's happened Uh, there was a move of God at the turn of the century with Azusa Street and all of that and those people went on and did missionary work but then there was a tale end of the movement that that fanned the flames of some churches here in this nation and then pretty soon like in when it got into the 1940s and 50s these people had watered it down to a positive message Norman Vincent Peale was a man who was a street minister when he was young and he built I forget the name of that church but it was in New York City um it's, it was a very still is a very popular church but then toward the end of his life he wrote the the uh, book power of positive thinking and he got more famous for that then he you know everything that he had done up until that that point kind of died down well why did that happen he got sick of being persecuted for the gospel 
People, they don't like that. When you go out and you tell people Jesus loves them, a simple message like that, and that pretty much was his message was most of the time, um, the devil hates that. And so he'll start uh, pushing you into a corner where you have to change the sharpness of your message. You have to change the the uh, anointing, pull out of the anointing and start talking just as a mere human being. And sometimes people don't even notice they keep going to your meetings, keep listening to you, and every day don't even realize you, your message has changed. Why? Because they're looking at you. They're not looking at what you preach. And so many times we lose our edge of uh, soul winning and all of that because we're trying to duck persecution. And we water it down and we notice nobody's upset with us. And we think, oh, let me stay on this because this is you know I don't have any trouble this way it's it's very prevalent now because people are on television and so when you're on TV you get instant feedback as to whether people are not appreciate and so they get the instant feedback and they start to understand well when we had that guest on we got so much negative feedback because of let's not have them back on again and we'll try this person and we can get more positive or what we consider positive response. And so this is all done in an effort to avoid what's promised to us and that's trouble for preaching the gospel. Amen. I'd rather my trouble come from obeying God than to come. It's going to come anyway. You can't get around it. You might think you're feeling less of a sting, or maybe it's not as bad, or uh, you know, you know, at least they don't shut down my building, or they don't stop me from preaching, or whatever. You know, people, people are looking for an easy way out. That's that's all I want to tell you. And so, in order to avoid the easy way out, you have to understand that trouble is a part of life. It's a part of Christian life. And the reason it is is that God is building something into his people. He has ordained that the bride of Christ would be invincible. And in order to be invincible, uh, invincible means that you cannot be conquered. You can't be enslaved. You can't be taken back into bondage. So in order to become invincible, you have to, to meet some resistance. You have to, uh, you have to come up against some foe. Uh, or you can, you can say you're invincible all the time, but you've never had a fight. You know, it's like professional boxers. Uh, you know, uh, you don't get a championship. You're not noticed until you get in the ring and have a record of wins and losses. And you have to have more wins than losses. Well, you, the reason, you, the way you get a record is you got to get in the ring and fight with somebody. And you don't get that until you earn the right to get an opponent. And so, as believers, we've owned the, earned the right to get an opponent. Amen. In the devil. So when the minute you're born again you have an opponent. Because you're in the kingdom of heaven. You're in God's kingdom and you've earned the right to fight back. (laughs) Because you're already on the schedule for a certain degree of trouble. It's going to come your way. You can be nice if you want to. You you know some people think if they're nice to everybody nothing bad's going to happen. Well that's just fear. You're fearing the inevitable. 
Uh, it's going to happen anyway. You can be nice and God will just let you get slapped upside the head anyway. <laughs> just to show you that's not the way. Self-righteousness will never get us exempt from kingdom happenings. All that is is you're trying to call the shots because you don't really trust God. You trust him to see you through uh, people talking about you and whispering about you and condemning you and all that kind of backbiting, all that nonsense. You're going to have your share of that. So, I mean, brace yourself. If that's new to you and that really hurts your feelings, uh, get in your Bible and brace yourself. All the people we admire in the Bible had their share of trouble too. So we're all going to get it. Divine protection comes to us because... There is an enemy out there. You're not protected because there's nothing out there. <laughs> you know, you're protected from the power. So all the power for uh, the things that we need from God are already invested in us. He's given all power. Jesus said when he was resurrected, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. He said, and I give you the keys to the kingdom. So we are to manage the things down here on earth. God manages the earth from heaven through our activities. So there will be things that we will have to engage in because he has commanded us to care for the earth. That's never changed. When he put Adam in the garden and and told him he had dominion over the earth, that's still true. The thing about the Christian is we have it now for the kingdom of God. Before we we had dominion, but the devil really took it from us and made us work under his power. Now that we belong to Christ, we come out from under the devil's power and we work for God. So that makes the devil our adversary. Amen. So he's constantly trying to get us back, talk us out of using God's power, tell us we're not good enough. You know, any mind game he can play, he will play it so that we can stay distant from God. If he can keep us isolated and away from God, he likes it all the more. So all power that God has for running, uh, running the earth has been invested in the church. So he commands us from heaven to take care of the affairs of earth. Amen. Zechariah 2.8 says that whoever touches us touches the pupil or apple of God's eye. So we are the apple of his eye. And just as a person will defend any kind of, you ever notice that you have reflexes that are quick to you know, if something gets in your eye, you grab it first. You know, it's a very quick reflex to protect your eyes. Well, that's how quick God protects us when we need it. Amen. When we're persecuted or we're touched, God is quick to defend us. Amen. God can blink and snap, slap the devil out of your life. You understand what? But we must take a stand against him. Amen. You've got to use. He can't override our will or our authority. I'd rather say authority because will is is something. It's kind of internal. Uh, you can use your authority and not have the will to do it. Mm-hmm. You can. You can just say, oh, "I'm going to try this and see if it works." 
and you tell the devil to go take a hike and he goes <laughs> you know what I'm saying and so your will was just weak to, to in a passive way you just obeyed God but your authority is what's working See, you, you gotta, you gotta understand that. That you, instead of feeling sorry for yourself and thinking that you can't do this and you can't do that, uh, you need to speak to God and get to understand how to use spiritual authority. You have authority over all the works of darkness. Uh, they can't prosper in your midst. You shouldn't let them prosper. You don't let the devil just come in and start telling your kids all kind of crazy things and getting them involved in a lot of stupidity. Uh, you tell the devil he can't have your children. He can't have your grandchildren. He can't have your nieces and nephews. You know, couldn't, couldn't girl and ain't, ain't noni and all of them. He can't have nobody. Even the ones you don't like, you protect. Amen. <laughs> They're in the household too. So, you know, I ain't that crazy about ain't noni, but I don't dislike her enough to let the devil have her, you know. So, amen. Amen. So when when difficulty comes, uh, stay with the Spirit. And the reason I say that is because questions will start to come to you when trouble comes. And you have to make sure those questions are not coming from your carnal mind. Your carnal mind wants to search out for spiritual answers all the time. So your carnal mind will ask questions like, why? Amen. Uh, why is this happening to me? What, what did I do wrong? And how did I deserve this? And they all sound religious and, and real highfalutin, but they're stupid. Amen. Uh, when if you're drowning, you don't ask how you got in the river and out of the boat. You just cry help because you need to be saved. Amen. So sometimes the reason, the way you can find out if it's your carnal mind, he always asks the wrong questions at the right time. The question is totally irrelevant to the need at hand. The need at hand is your deliverance. The need at hand is your freedom. The reason why has nothing to do with you getting delivered. Or if you think it does, you need to go back and understand what the blood has done for you. Because even if you did wrong, God's not going to leave you in trouble. Just because you got yourself in there. Because most of the time that is true. We done done something stupid somewhere. Or or put off uh, confessing our sins. Or put off forgiving people. Or gotten ourselves twisted up some kind of way. Stupid way. And let the devil get an advantage over us. Amen. Many times we think if we're, we're going so good in God. Nothing's happened. Then all of a sudden we're challenged by something. Huh? It's going to happen. You don't know what you did that triggered it. Or, you know, like we live so perfectly. Oh, there's just one thing I did that must have triggered this. Let me see what it was in my perfect little world. You'll never figure that out. You're trying to take God's place. Trying to ward off. That's superstition. See, that's when you start doing that, that's the first door open to superstition. And you don't want a, a spirit of superstition hovering over your life, counseling you and speaking to you of how to not get in trouble. Just stop it. Amen. Cut it out. 
And don't consider trouble to be the end of the world. Because it's not. Amen. Jesus said you're going to have it. But he has an answer for it. He said to be of good cheer. He didn't say to question. He didn't say keep asking how. Wondering. All that. He didn't say to do that. He gave you one instruction as be of good cheer. And hang on because you're getting ready to go through some stuff to overcome. You understand what I'm saying? So let's get it straight here to quit quit being t- twisted. You know, we'll see people in trouble. We we start looking suspicious. Wonder what they did and how that happened. Well, you know that comes from them doing yeah, 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 yeah. You need to shut up. Judge not lest ye be judged. You don't know because you're not in God's head. You don't know how stuff gets started. Now there is such a thing as the spirit of counsel. If God has given you to pray and help people, you know, he can tell you if there's an obvious thing that they need to repent of. You know, so that they can get the slate clean so they can their prayer can be heard. I mean, that's a basic thing. But that's pretty obvious. You know, if I come call you and you talking about taking your husband's head off and I'm killing him tonight and all this is whoa 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 you fooled it <laughs> oh, we gotta back up now and <laughs> get under the blood <sighs> can't take all that in the throne room and get help uh-huh. so those are obvious I mean the, the confession and forgiving and this is kind of obvious thing but we're talking about specific activities that people do that lead to their difficulty. You can't figure that out. God's not going to give you that. And some people, it's just time for them. You understand what I'm saying? Oftentimes we're, we, we have difficulty because God wants to purify us and cleanse us. Develop our character in a greater way. You know, the Bible says that Jesus learned uh, through the things that he suffered. Amen. He learned obedience. We don't, he, he had to learn it. If he had to, we have to. Things are going good, it's easy to obey. It's hard to obey when you don't get what you want all the time. Or everybody else is getting blessed and you still waiting. You know, it's, it's, but he's developing a character in you that is worth more than gold. You don't believe it. You can't see it. And many times we don't believe it throughout our lifetime. We're going, I don't see how this is this better than gold. I don't, yeah, this ain't so hot. This is, you know, the pits. <laughs> when am I going to get in the palace? You know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying. We, we get more out with some things sometimes, but... And sometimes that's not even your portion. You know, I mean, sometimes we're wanting somebody else's portion. And, uh, but the Lord is always your portion. You know, it's some things that, that you're, you're, you're programmed to have. They're, they're on you, God's list for you. Some things not. Sometimes we borrow desires from people covetousness you know we're all subject to that so uh and so we have to kind of accept what god has for us we have to accept our portion and what's in our cup and all of that kind of stuff so but the enemy wants to lead us to this life of superstition and trying to ward off evil by doing certain things 
you know doing little things of obedience making sure I don't ever do this and then I won't have that if I don't ever do this then it's legalism but carnal minds run like that you know we we think that you know it's we don't look at the mercy of God as playing so a big role in our lives we think we can control these things all of that uh, I I make some rules that I, I tend to keep so that I know there's a foundation in my life but it's not like if if you know that like that's being a big deal that just helps me to obey God as best I can I still need mercy when I goof up I still need help when I'm in trouble I still need all these things but but you help yourself to a certain degree by certain habits that you develop that you know will draw blessing into your life uh, you just have to think that way you've got to live a life of discipline toward God you know you look in the Bible and you see where God blesses this he blesses that and you think oh I'm going to do that 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 and and there's, so there are certain things that, that we must do in order to keep that foundation that makes it easy for us to obey God you don't want to get way over somewhere and then you got to go pull yourself back or get in trouble because you you know you don't don't understand how important a foundation is it is very important i'll give you a simple example in in my radio i don't play worldly music you know just don't have it on it's you know there's some worldly songs i like but but i ask god to kill that that like in me many years ago and and i asked god in exchange i said god in exchange i expect this 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 vehicle to serve me i expect to put very little money in it for repairs i expect no accidents i expect you understand what i'm saying i expect it to get me where i need to go and take others you know i'm not going anywhere wayward that i'm not supposed to go and and so it's paid off for me you know God's done exactly what I ask and expect him to do in exchange for me dedicating things to him same thing with my property Uh, I tell people who come and stay with me this is not my house it's not yours either you don't call the shots and I don't God calls the shots here if that's satisfactory we'll get along if you don't like it we just can't roll you understand what I'm saying but I'm not going to violate that for anybody love you and all that but we don't run stuff here God runs stuff here and as long as he runs stuff we'll get our bills paid we'll keep the house up we'll do all the necessary things that need to be it will serve us well and we will open it up for God's people but we are not getting in no stupid stuff around here you understand what I'm saying and so it's been very very helpful to make sure I don't I'm not behind in taxes I don't have a mortgage I, we have all of our utilities paid every month on time you have to have a foundation in your life there must be something where you meet the mind of God so that your life runs well so I'm not sweating bills I'm not sweat who needs it 
You understand what I'm saying? I'm to live a carefree life and I know it. But that life isn't a wild life. You know, whatever I want to do. No, we don't do that. You know, when I have family, unsaved family come over on the holidays, we put on Christian music. I don't put on nothing. And we don't serve liquor. Are you kidding me? You're not getting drunk up in here. Because I don't feel like going to jail shooting nobody today. Because I don't like drunks. You understand? I don't like people under the influence. But we're not going there. So, you know, and and I love you. We're going to have a nice time. But it's got to be in a certain, you know, just come in and do anything. That's just not right. I didn't allow that when I was a sinner. You know, people tear your house up, have a police over there all the time. You, you know, you fall out with your neighbors. You get to be known as the house on the block. You know, mm-hmm. nope, 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 nope. That's not me. I want to be known as the place where they come when they need prayer. Amen. And God's been able to do that for us. So praise God. Amen. So you don't want to get into trying to ward off difficulty with your own behavior there is a grace that will allow you to live your life as a seed sown in obedience to God that's different than trying to avoid trouble when you try to avoid trouble it's an indicator either you don't know God you don't trust God or you're fearful the devil's got you in fear that he can do something to you even though you say you belong to God you should never fear what the devil can do. Can't do anything, man. He, you know, he puts sickness on you, put poverty on you, put all. But you can fight all that stuff off, because God's given you a remedy for that, and that's in His Word. So, Second Corinthians two eleven tells us we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. We're not ignorant of his devices. So you know when it's the devil. You know when he's kicking up. You know when he prompts you to do stupid stuff, man. So we can't stop trouble. Tests and trials will come to us. They are a normal part of life. It is a testing of our faith to see if we will stand on what God has told us or if we were doubt and fall. Doubt will always cause you to fall, falter. But faith will cause you to stand. Don't try to figure out why bad things happen to the righteous. If you do that, you're not dealing in truth. You have to accept trouble and divine protection. It's a package deal. So you can't see yourself experiencing anything without God's hand of help for you. You're not out. God is not. He said in Isaiah 55, it says, if difficulty comes to you, it won't come by me. It's, I didn't start that in your life. Let me, let me turn there. Cause people, the first thing the devil will tell you, amen. (laughs) 
It says those who gather together. They will gather together against you but not by me. I think that's 55. Hmm. I'll have to find it. Number one I've got. (laughs) I've got the wrong translation for that word. So that won't help me. Oh, okay, 54. Thank you, ma'am. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Brother E. Isaiah 54, 15. Yeah. He says, if anyone attacks you, it won't be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. You got me? That's the NIV. And and, and uh, what does the King James say? Anybody have that one? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So whoever gathers together, so that means more than one person. That means a pack of devils. So they won't, don't come. God did not send them. They just come on their own. But God says they will fall for your sake. So that should be good enough for anybody. The fact that, that he can't stop everything bad that happens. You know, think of the traffic jam that would cause in some of our lives. Every other word out of our mouth is a a word of condemnation. And so he says, if they gather together, it won't be by me. And if they gather together against you, they will fall for your sake. Amen. So anything that comes against you, no weapon that is formed against you will accomplish what it sets out to do. Amen. So God wants us to be assured of that. Well how will we know that? We know because we use the word when stuff comes against us. Amen. Trouble doesn't come to us so we can know God can get us out. That's just foolish. So it's you know it's going to come anyway. If we can accept that then I think we'll be a lot better off. And instead of searching our minds for why it happened. What's going on. Why this isn't supposed to happen to me. I'm a child of God. Really? You don't know the half of what. (laughs) Think about what didn't happen to you that could have. Amen. So divine protection and trouble are a package deal. When we get in trouble, don't try to defend yourself. Huh? This is where we get into the crazy questions. What did I do wrong? Huh? As though you can undo something once it's done. You can't undo it. It's done. What you can do is trust God through it. So if you know that that you're running your mouth and telling your husband, yeah, walk if you want to. You know what I'm saying? I'll pack your stuff. Want some help? Huh? And then he walks. And you think, uh-oh, I never thought he was going to do it for real. I mean, I wasn't there. That's the time to go to God in repentance. Because it can be reversed. But God's going to have to teach you some things about self-control, forgiveness, the whole Christian trip, reconciliation, laying down your weapons, 
all of that. You're going to have to teach you how to be a good girl. Keep your hands to yourself and your mouth shut. Or a good boy, same thing. And so we have this thought about being able to undo things once they're done. And that's why we defend ourselves. And that's why we want to tell what what we really mean. I didn't really mean that. You know, that wasn't my intention. Honey, don't go there. You just find out how to get God's mercy back in your life. That's what you need. You need to find out how to get help. And help always comes to the humble. It always comes to those who forgive. It always comes to those who repent. So those are your three options. You humble yourself. You ask God to forgive you. You forgive that person that wronged you. And you turn your back on that way of living. God I'm not going to go there anymore. I'm going to live for you. So, And I'm asking you to help me. Amen. So, so we need help. Amen. Spirits of divination will try to attach themselves to us. And trying to get us to discern the future by the past. So we try to find out what we did wrong. And then don't do that anymore. And then we think good will come to us. Amen. And we miss the whole point. It's never been about you. It's not about you. And that's not going to fix it. You gotta go to the fixer in order to get it fixed. Amen. You're gonna have to go to God with what's, what the deal is. That's what He's been waiting for, is for you to come to Him so that He can deliver you out. He can deliver you out with the power to resist the devil the next time. So you don't get back in the soup every time you look, look around. Amen. So when when but when uh, trouble comes to us, the minute we get in the right path, the trouble ceases. It must cease because the reason it comes is because we're in the wrong path. Sometimes the wrong path can be the wrong frame of mind, the wrong values, the wrong um, um, impatient things that we do because we just don't want to wait for God. Sometimes we need, we have to just be stopped, you know, in in doing those things and and not really trusting God, not using our faith. He wants you to use your faith. It's a mandate that everything that God gives us as rules and laws come to protect our faith. Because that is the one thing that connects you to God that's going to help your life is the life. And so he'll demand we get on the road of, of living a life of faith. The Bible says that's the only way justified people are supposed to live. You can't just live the natural life. I mean, I know sometimes people do it. You know, you pray for a job. Then when you get on the job, you the man. You hear everything. You left God. Slam the door in God's face. You left him outside in your car. Praying in tongues till you get there. Make sure you don't get no accidents and all. And then after you get in there, man, it's all you after that. They have uh, hired a superstar. And so God has to break us of that habit. 
because that's not your job only that is your harvest field that is your place where you witness to people that is your place that belongs to God once you go in there you can go in there and try to live off your merits and I see people foul that up over and over and over again because they get in there and they get in the natural they're offended by everything. Somebody says something, it hurts their feelings. They got to run around and ask 15 people what they heard. You know, get in the office, gossip, get stupid, get all that kind of stuff. Or look for friends. You get tired of eating by yourself at the table. Maybe God wants you by yourself so he can bring somebody over there that's a special conversation. Maybe once you pray with people, you can't pray with being the life of the party at at lunchtime. So let's let's get real here, folks. You're on call twenty four seven to the things of God, but immediately when we make the right turn, the trouble stops. Uh, many people don't believe that because it seems like trouble goes on and on and on and on and on forever. You may not have the answer you're praying for, but the trouble stops. Because you stop antagonizing the devil, you can live a life of peace even though you're waiting on that promise to come to pass. So there's a difference between trouble and the promise coming. Amen? Like for instance, some people, you know, in your marriage you might have strife and you might have all this kind of stuff. And and you still are holding out for certain things you want to see happen in that relationship. But the trouble stopped. You found you peace with that person. You get along better. You know, maybe you, you want them to be more responsible with the bill money or whatever, whatever, whatever. That's still out there yet to be done. See, that's not trouble. That's a desire. But sometimes trouble comes, you know, when you clash against one another. And so God, the minute you make the right turn in obedience to God, the trouble will stop. Turn to Matthew chapter 14. I'll show you what I'm talking about. The minute you make that turn and use your faith. Amen. And you'll, you'll see what it was all about. Matthew chapter 14. I think it's verse. Boom, boom, boom. Let's start in verse 22. It says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So, you know, Jesus no doubt was ministering. He knew it would take them a while to get where they were going. He lets them get a head start. So they, they go alone without Jesus. He couldn't just terminate the meeting abruptly and leave those people there. So he's probably ministering to some people, you know, talking to some people, answering some questions. But he knows how he's going to get there if he needs to get there. And he don't need no company holding him back. Because he's going to walk on the water to get there. He knows that already. He just thinks to himself, well, I'll send them ahead. You know, this ain't for everybody. So he thinks. You understand what I'm saying? 
some things you need to do alone if you're in charge of things. You don't need company. You don't need help. You don't need an entourage. You just need to go do it yourself. And so he's he's there. He dismissed them. He went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. That's always essential. He didn't need any help with that either. Later that night, he was there alone. And he says, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage, it's me, don't be afraid. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, let me come out to you on the water. He said, come on. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? See, that's why he couldn't take him with him from the beginning. Amen. And so Peter, uh, it says here, why did you doubt? And when they climbed in the boat, the wind died immediately. So immediately, when the test is over, the trouble stops. Do you see that? You are being tested to see if you're going to obey God's instructions to you. Jesus told them, get in the boat and go to the other side. The wind starts kicking up. Now they've been on in windy seas before. All they had to do was keep rowing or expect Jesus to come to them in the nick of time to encourage their faith that they would get over to the other side. It's something about having the presence of God with you that gives you that reassurance that everything is well. So in in this storm, it's not as outrageous as it was that time Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat and they had to come and wake him up. But a storm is a storm. It's trouble and you're not sure you're going to make it through. So Jesus decides to come to them at the right time to deliver them from the trouble of the storm. So what he wants to see is are we going to let trouble cause us to turn around and go back to shore? Are we going to let trouble, oh how did this happen? What's going to happen? Oh I must have done something wrong. What did I do wrong God? It's not for me. I'm just being picked on. Trouble comes to test us to see if we're going to keep our face pointed toward the goal that God gave us to get to. And so Jesus wants to see if those disciples are going to be determined to obey him and get to the other side of the lake. Because that's where he told them to go. So immediately when that test is over, everybody's safe and back in the boat and Jesus is with them, the storm stops. So the test in your life will stop immediately when you start using your faith to get where you're supposed to go. It won't it won't stop as long as you're doubting and asking God what did I do wrong? And how long is it going to take? And when am I going to be finished? What you know we do that. We when we have to get in the word every day to get our healing. 
wondering how long it's going to take. Well, I've been doing this. Look how long I've been doing this and no results. You understand what I'm saying? So our faith is being challenged. It is being tested by our symptoms, by our mindset, by all kinds of things. But God still knows our time of deliverance. There is a time of deliverance. And so when that test is over and you use your faith... Peter used his faith to get out on the water and he saw his faith did not hold so he got back in that boat. But he knew what his faith could do. From that day forward he knew what his faith could do. And he knew he didn't have the ability to focus only on Jesus and what he was instructing him to do and not on what the elements are telling him. So that's a good lesson to learn. Oh God, I see now why I don't have this thing. I'm not even ready for this type of responsibility. Or I'm not ready for, you know, whatever, whatever. Or my spouse doesn't really want this. You you understand what I'm saying? There's some things that people just don't want. And so you've got to wait for God to work things out for people so that you can have peace. You have a big disturbance if you keep doing what you just want to do all the time. And you don't have God's peace going through these things. And so we have to understand this about about where we're going in God. So the minute they get back in the boat, the storm stops. Test is over. It's illegal for God to test us beyond our obedience to his instruction. You got me? That's torture. That's I mean, and you can say you're being tortured, but you're not. You can say it's not fair, but it's fair. Amen. Because he's after one thing. We're after something else. We care less about our faith as long as we get our stuff. Amen. He's thinking about developing us into mature spiritual people. And we're thinking about carnal things. And when is it going to be over? And when am I going to get my stuff? And you know I got all these prophecies. I'm going to get this, that, and the other. When? <laughs> mm-hmm. So the what did I do wrong question. How did I get here? Amen. Now when Jesus asked the question. It's important. And he asked Peter why did he doubt. And certainly after Peter gets in that boat. Jesus will give them all a lesson. On how we can start out strong in faith. And then once our, we are distracted by the natural situation. We can get pulled off. And that's all that happens in these situations. Asking why, why me, what did I do is a distraction. If you stay focused on getting to the other side and developing strength in your spirit, then you'll be able to get there. Amen. We don't need to defend ourselves when we're in a test. We don't need to talk about our strengths. And our accolades and what we do right. God this shouldn't happen to me because I do so and so and such for you. Blah blah blah. Amen. Spirit of divination is trying to get a hold of us. Try to tell us how to outsmart God. Because that's what divination is. It it masquerades as God. So you get tangled up with it and it will try to teach you how to outsmart God. Amen. So you can't figure out how God's going to get you there. You just have to trust him to get you there. Amen. There's no magic potion for getting you out of trouble. 
there's no you know three snaps in a circle or whatever we want to do to magically you know bibbity no magic wand we can wave over ourselves we just have to walk through it with God so God's provision is wrapped up in our coming to him like Peter did to Jesus he saw the storm and instead of asking Jesus to help them from the storm he wants to get out and be like him Amen. So that temptation to be like God is always there when we're in trouble. We want to take over. We want to be in control. We want to be in charge. We want all these things. But you have to learn how to live at the level, your level of faith where you are now and allow God to build it. The way he builds it is through testing. If you keep tested until you build up the spiritual muscle to resist and push that difficulty out of the way so that you can move forward and get to what God has for you. Tests come to lead you somewhere. They don't just come. You know like for instance if you take a test in school it's to get a grade so you can pass and get a diploma hopefully. It's the same thing in God's kingdom when our faith is tested it's because whatever that test is, it's weak faith is standing in the way of our receiving the blessing that we think we're standing for or the blessing that we're asking for. So it's not just, you know, there's a, an old song, I don't like it. It says, if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know God could solve them. Were well, you going to have problems? Why would you come up with a never had a problem as a reason for God to do something? Uh, God's God. You know, you're going to have problems. You, 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 there's no such place to live where they're not. Because that leads you to think that God brings problems to us so that he can prove that he's God. And that's not the way things work. He's not playing with us. The things that we go through are necessary because of a call that he has to put us in certain places at a certain time. To bless us with certain things. To get us to work for him. I mean there's purpose to everything that we're going through. So these aren't frivolous. You know like we can skip this exam and go to the next one. There's no such thing as that in God. This is too hard. I don't know nothing about no calculus. You know, it's it's not about that. But it's about your faith is taking you somewhere. And the test is standing is a roadblock to you getting there. And so God has to teach you how to plow through the roadblock with your faith so that you can get where He wants you to go. So when God's provision comes, amen. You need to know that if there's difficulty, even if it's your fault, you have an advocate with the Father. So you don't try to make excuses for yourself. You don't need to explain yourself to anybody. You need to go to your advocate. You need to shut your mouth from getting yourself deeper into trouble. Amen. And you need to go to your advocate. Just humble yourself and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm going to just listen to you and, and, and not know anything. You know, I'm not smart after all. And when you get an understanding of that, then you'll wait for God to give you instruction. You'll wait for the provision. You'll wait for the next thing. And just ask him to give you his peace while you're waiting. 
Just give him, give him your joy. Give him your joy. Uh, give, yeah, while you're waiting. He tells us to count it all joy anyway. The sooner you get happy, the better off you're going to be. Mm-hmm. He forgives our sin and cleanses us. You need cleansing. You don't need excuses. Amen. Excuses just cover up what's dirty. Doesn't do anything to help us. Excuses keep you in dead works. In fact, excuses are dead works. Excuses really are an attempt to take a responsibility away from us for our actions. Oh God, I know I was wrong, but I wouldn't have said nothing if they hadn't have done so and so on. <laughs> well, how come they always in my face first, you know? So we cannot undo what's done. And that's what excuse making is. It's an attempt to undo. In other words, you're trying to get your own atonement. You're trying to get your own cleansing. You're trying to get your own. Somehow your carnal man feels better if he can say he didn't do anything wrong. Which is always not true. Amen. You're going to have trouble. You're, you live in a flesh body. It's subject to sin. It's subject to think wrong. It's subject to be wrong. And so the sooner you can accept that and then accept correction, the sooner you'll get on the right road. Excuses never lead to the right road. They don't lead to correction. They just don't. You know, it's always making something up to fix it up so it sounds right. Uh, you're going to sound wrong to yourself many times because you're going to be wrong. But be of good cheer. <laughs> He's overcome your wrong stuff too. Amen. So uh, excuse making causes you to live a life of fear. You never have. You never trust yourself. If you have to make an excuse for every wrong thing you do, that means you don't trust yourself. And you'll never trust yourself if you don't live a life of faith. Life of faith, trust God. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to do everything right to live by faith. You say, God, I'm out here. Now I'm your child and I know it's But you do, there does come a time where you have an assurance from God that things are going to work out right for you. See, the excuse maker never feels like that. Never. Well, no, I I didn't mean to. I mean, I I was just doing so and so and such and such. Well, that's not repentance. So your sin is still on your soul. You're still stuck with your wrong. Even though you're trying to minimalize it. That's the other part. People minimize the extent. Now, if somebody else does it, it's World War III. But when you do it, it's a small thing. And see, there, there too is is carnality. Carnality always makes somebody else's like Jesus said. Why are you talking about the the uh, moat in your brother's eye, and you got a beam in your eye? So whenever you accuse somebody, and their trouble is bigger than yours, you you're looking wrong. You got a beam in your eye, and picking at him for something small, and yours is so much bigger. Because you're accusing someone. And so we have to really be careful of how we let our carnal mind engage us. Amen. People who live for God and live by faith do not fear bad news. That's a toughie. 
because everybody if say if you go to the doctor if something's not right or you don't feel right or something of of that nature there there's there's a fear that something will come a diagnosis or something like that well you got to know that Jesus heals you know it's nice if you can live without getting sick and i've done it for many years but but in the end i had to be tested on whether or not that faith would hold as i got older and so when you when you see that that's going to it's going to be tested at some point you see what i'm saying it just just will I was thinking about uh, Fred Price was saying that he had uh, um, a lump or something on his body and, and he said he noticed it when he was showering one time and so he he went to the Lord about it and he cursed it and, and commanded it to, to disappear. Well he said it, it was a year or more and it was still there. And he said, one thing that I can tell you, he said, when you start trusting God, time cannot be an issue. And I remember hearing that, and I thought to myself, I said, well, God, I didn't know that. I thought, you know, things left immediately, or, you know, (laughs) you know, you believe for the immediate. But if they don't leave right away, you have to know that they will at some point and not get anxious about it. So if you're trusting God for healing, don't get anxious about it because time cannot be a factor in anything you're believing God for or you'll quit believing. When your time, you figure their time is up, you'll stop believing what God tells you to do. Psalm 112 and verse 7 tells us we will not hear, fear bad news. We're talking about the man who worships God. Blessed is the man who fears God and who delights in his commandments. He will not fear bad news. His heart is fixed trusting in God. Amen. So you got to fix your heart in the love of God. You gotta not love things. You got can't love people more than God. You can't push anything out, but have your heart fixed on trusting God, loving and trusting Him, no matter what happens. God, I trust you. Though you slay me, yet will I trust you. Though I'm breaking out with sickness, yet will I trust you. Though they tell me I've got cancer, yet will I trust you. Though they tell me I've got this, yet will I trust you. And so we have to have that built in trust for God. And if we don't have it built in, you've got to acquire it. You acquire it by being steadfast in his word. You cannot go back and undo what has been done. You must go forward trusting God. So you've got to trust him with your future. There's nothing for you trying to explain how you didn't mean it or you didn't do anything wrong there's nothing for you there but you have to be confident and go forward in trusting God you cannot fight with your mind in the past it has to be in the now and it has to trust God for your future Amen. you cannot be a warrior if you're afraid of making mistakes and afraid of the enemy you cannot you cannot be in agreement with God if you remember things that he has forgotten. He's forgotten your past sins and your past good deeds. You got me? So you got to get up here in the current so you can be in agreement with him. Amen. 
You can't do that. Deuteronomy 20 verse 8. Whenever there was a fight with the enemy, the fearful people got sent home. Anybody that was a fake warrior, you know, you can be careful who you pray with. You know, is grabbing prayer partners out of thin air. You know, I see people on Facebook asking for prayer for all these here, there, and everywhere people. You know, it works for some people, but I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, don't you have a church or some people that pray in your your church or something that you can really trust and and get some consistency. You got to throw it out there and and just anybody pray for me. I've even seen ministers do that, and I'm thinking. I said they don't really want prayer. They just like getting attention or something. I don't know what it is, but it just doesn't hit me right. God makes better provision for you than that. And the people who get the best help are the ones who pray for other people too. You know, there's a community of of partnership that goes forth in God's kingdom that that you have to lock into. You got to find out who who you're assigned to and who's assigned to you. Amen. Isaiah seven. Let me turn there. Isaiah chapter seven. Start in verse 1. When Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, King Rezan of Aram, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied himself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken. As the trees of the forest were shaken by the wind. So they're pretty scared. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, and to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool and on the road to the launderer's field, and say to him, Be careful. Keep calm and don't be afraid. Don't lose heart because of those two smoldering stubs of firewood, in other words his enemies, because of the fierce anger of Rezan and Aram and of the son of Ramaliah. And he tell, he God tells them that they will be taken down. I don't care how big and bad the problem is, how big it wants to devour, and how wrong you are. God forgives us. You got to rely on that because you gonna be wrong. You're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna do some bad things. But you can't think that God only defends you because you don't do anything wrong. You gotta get that straightened out, folks. You really do. Forgiveness comes to those who need to be forgiven. He who is forgiven much loves much. That means people who think they do nothing wrong don't have much love in them. Because once you know your condition and you know and you're honest about yourself, you realize, you know what, I I shouldn't even, uh, even after I'm a Christian, I don't deserve to live as well as I do. You understand what I'm saying? God has forgiven me much. Like Mary, who who dried her her uh, dried washed his feet with her tears, dried his feet with her hair. She was forgiven of many sins, and she didn't try to hide it. 
Those who are forgiven much love much. Amen. We need to trust that God is doing his job. And he's there for our defense. He's not letting us get punished unnecessarily and unfairly. Exodus 14.14 tells us to hold on to peace. Don't get into strife. Don't get into doubt. And don't move. Because the devil wants to give you a way out which is a way into deeper trouble. Hmm? That fleshly way out, you get, I'm tired of this and I'm not going to do this anymore. And I, when is my answer going to come? I'm sick of praying. I'm sick of praying for my kids because they don't change. Blah, 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 blah. Hmm? Moses said, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Fear is your biggest enemy. Many times what we call being tired of waiting is really fear. You're scared you're not going to get it. So you gotta, you got to straighten that up. Amen. Don't try to make yourself an important person because trouble comes in your life also. Enemy will try and get you on that flip. Well, you know, I'm no, I'm called to a high calling, and the devil's just going. He's just going to try to stop me. Uh, he tries to stop a flea if he, he hates fleas. He hates he hates his own demon friends. So how are you special? Just because the devil's after you? Give me a break. I, I remember hearing some. I think it was Joyce Meyer. Oh, I knew it was going to be a good meeting this time because the devil's really kicking up. I said, how could that lady think that? And she's a teacher over the body of Christ. Now we got all these crazy people out there. Crazy enough already. You know, saints that go to these meetings over and over. Same meeting over and over again. Um, I, you know, I'm not putting her down, but I'm thinking to myself, come on, lady, you know better than that. If you know anything about the spirit realm, how are you taking your cues from the devil now when God's your leader? You mean God told you to have a meeting? Now you're going to listen to the devil to find out how the meeting's going to turn out? You get your expectation from him. So I'm looking at this and heard that meeting look like every other meeting I've ever saw or have. I mean what were they expecting that was so wonderful that. I always like to write people letters and say prove it. Unless all them people got up and started prophesying, talking in tongues, laying hands on each other, and everybody walked out healed. The devil didn't help your meeting any. Let's stop being silly. Start sticking with the word. Of course, I guess maybe that's better than... Wondering what you what you did to open the door. Just let them let the devil mess with you like that. 
that's the question we want to avoid that we ask also that is also irrelevant just kick the devil's butt and make him stop and keep moving you know come on now that's like cleaning your house you know when you get sick of the dust bunnies and you get sick of the trash just go pick it up and clean up and keep moving man we need discernment badly need to and trust God to help you to to uh, understand what's moving situations in your life discernment is the wisdom from above divination is the wisdom from beneath now that to me that was a statement of divination what she said is that you are taking your cues from the dark side as to the outcome of events instead of trusting God for it I'd much rather say well God you know turn this around get us out of this trouble make the devil stop and just go on and have a normal meeting don't try to forecast anything greater than that because that opens you up to these spirits talking to you and guiding you and setting up situations for you the Holy Spirit is the source of wisdom from above. Divination is the, it's a natural source or it can be evil spirits. Discernment is faith driven. Divination is fear driven. Discernment empowers us. Divination weakens us. Discernment is blood bought. You get it because Jesus has paid for your your clear vision, your understanding, and your right answers. Divination argues against the blood. Anything that the blood does and brings you, divination will tell you is not yours. Oh, you did too much wrong. You can't do that. You got to do it like this, that, and the other in order for God to bless you. Give you a whole list of things you can't do anyway. Discernment depends on holiness and power. Divination depends on superstition and witchcraft. When you believe in divine protection, the devil must have no influence over your thinking. You can't take your cues from him. Some things will just cause the devil to react. And sometimes he will move things to get our attention. But divine protection causes us to take authority over him. That's how you know you're in God's wisdom. You will be quick to take authority over the devil and stop his activities. Because you have a clear mind. The mind of Christ did that continually. The devil would pop up and Jesus would cast him out. Oh no, you're not coming to torment us before the time. (laughs) So who's the big time keeper? Nobody but Satan. When you find yourself getting nervous about time, that's a sign of him working. Trying to get your mind off of trusting God. So God wants us to trust him through trouble. 
through good times through bad times through trouble through fun through trust him through all things and he will certainly lead us through to our victory and our promise amen praise God amen father we thank you and we bless you for what you've given us today you've given us understanding and that is so important I'd rather know and have to tough it out than to be deceived so we thank you lord for the knowing that comes with your holy word in jesus name amen and praise god amen 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 amen